0: welcome everyone to rock M nation podcast a uh a, a dour uh entry to the pod here um this is an episode of dive cuts uh we are the missouri basketball podcast uh for the rock damn radio uh flagship station uh i am your host if you're watching us on youtube please take a moment to uh like and subscribe um the the content uh that we are about to talk about uh doesn't preclude you from liking the video which we would appreciate uh it doesn't mean that you like what's happening on the floor um so do that uh like and subscribe i'm your host sam snelling uh you if you're watching on YouTube, we'll probably recognize the man uh, on your right. That is Matthew Harris. Um, Matt, how are you? I'm just surprised you haven't issued
1: a mea culpa for your statements last week. I was just going to give you five or ten minutes to, oh, uh, to really atone and talk to the audience about you know all the all the things you said last week that were in error, Sam. We're in well, error.
0: So I'll just nothing, turn it over back to you. Nothing was it was technically an error if we're because there there are always qualifiers. Um, I, I feel like I was a little done in uh, by uh, by the headline of the podcast, <laughs> which our producer, which which <laughs> Levi handles uh, and and Levi, I love you, buddy. Uh, I that saw that and said, "Oh, be desired."
1: Oh. This is gonna. I'm like somebody. I was the it, Bj Novak gift taking notes on the that last week. That last one.
0: week, the headline of the like, podcast was that Missouri is not a bad basketball team. And I want to say, like, like Matt Watkins and I probably spent about uh, eight minutes on the topic of discussing like the things that were holding Missouri back from being uh, a good basketball team. I was going to say from being a uh,
1: mediocre basketball team, but that well, was that, that,
0: well right. That the idea is be- essentially like they're not a bad team; they're uh, like eighty percent of of a, a decent team. And then you and I actually kind of talked about this on the Slack channel, and I think it's it's relevant uh, and something that it, also kind of worth discussing, um, which is you know essentially like. Going into the season, I think we all kind of thought like, all right, you know, if everything goes well for Missouri, like what is the ceiling for this team? And I think we all kind of thought, well, you know, something probably similar to to last year. Everything goes well. Um, and that's like, you know, same h- hitting the luck out of the park. And, uh, yeah. You know, no injuries and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, You know, but that's also like us not getting to watch this basketball team you don't you know not going to practice you're not seeing how things are evolving you're not seeing you know how the new players are integrating yeah. uh and and all those things you know so like going into the season we didn't really think that anthony robinson was going to play a role uh i thought you know we all thought that you know trent pierce was going to be a you know a bit more of a guy who would be able to help out you know kind of the back end of the rotation uh, so these are all things that like you don't know uh in early november and so, yeah, we picked Missouri sixth, which was really, really high uh, in the SEC. I thought that was kind of like, look, this is if everything's going to go well. Yeah. Having watched them, if you know, if, if things went well, uh, and Tanji and Grill are both healthy, and and you know everything is is as we kind of expected, I would have, if I had a chance to kind of like watch them first, I probably would have said. Now that looks like this, this is more like a, a, a bubble team at best. Um, and I, I, I probably would have guessed like, you know, if they got into the tournament, it would have been like as an 11 seed. Yeah. Um, and then like the injuries were just like, yeah. um, it, you know, and now we're, we're seeing, you know, like, and I, I always feel bad, like kind of harping on this point cause I've talked about it in two pieces now, you know, but like Mabor Majak playing forty seven point five percent of the minutes at the five spot in a game you really needed to win. And yeah. Mabor plays with energy, but he he is not the guy you want that spot. We'll just say that.
1: Uh yeah. Um there are lineups here that you know, this will be a cliche that if you had showed me some of the rotations for the last couple of weeks back in September, I would have said, Yeah, they're playing on Wednesday. In Nashville I I don't think there's any way you could have been really polite or sort of optimistic about that um the hard part here is if you I'll say this I think most of the consensus forecasts for this team pre-injury were accurate you know most people had them between seventh and tenth really locus you know with a heavy concentration around eighth or ninth which I thought was know, a pretty fair assessment of this group uh, and where they were. I think it was hard for us early on to get a handle for this group because they played their first three games without Tanji or Vanover. Well, then they got Vanover and Tanji for a little bit here and there. But realistically, you could only say that between the trip to Minnesota, after the trip to Minnesota, you know, two the trip to Pitt, So about six games are about the closest, you know, we got to seeing this team in full form and the team that we saw, you know, I think, you know, at Pitt against Wichita state, and even like carrying a little bit of that momentum into Kansas looked like a team that was going to be able to sort of steady itself. Maybe they weren't going to be an NCAA tournament team, Maybe they might, you know, be fighting for the NIT, but they weren't going to be a bottom 14. They were probably going to be ninth or tenth. And then things have just sort of collapsed from there as as you know, we've documented on pods, as we've documented on the site, you know, and as I said today on our Slack channel, you know, the injury luck just took out a Mossberg pump and sawed it off and shot it into this rotation. There's just no way you can take Grill Tanji. Pierce or Carrollero out of the mix, and have anything approaching a truly competitive SEC basketball team. It just doesn't work. You know the the minutes you have to fill and the usage that those guys filling those minutes are giving you is just not sustainable for a com- truly competitive basketball team. You know, outside of you know playing Arkansas, Vanderbilt. And, you know, maybe LSU on the back end here. It's that's just the reality of where we're at. And so really everything since then has been what can this team not do to really thrive, but just, you know, as I, I think I told you before the pot, just keep the environment copacetic enough to where guys are playing hard into where the environment is, you know, good enough that you feel like you can offer your young guys quality minutes where they can develop. That is not at all what we thought we were going to be facing in the preseason, but we didn't expect injury luck to be this bad. You know, we didn't expect, you know, things to sort of reach this point. So I think it's important to say, like, I don't think, you know, this is the worst case scenario that you could have envisioned in the preseason. And so really that's, that's what we're navigating now. And almost like last season, it was really hard for me to take any big kind of macro lessons from last season. Cause You know, it was a fully formed best case scenario, you know, for what that roster could have been. This is the exact opposite. We've seen two extremes in the first two years of Dennis's tenure. I don't know if we've seen anything that I would say is like the median, you know, sort of product or what you would expect from a Dennis Gates team. And I think it makes it really hard in general, you know, to like I think come to a pretty reasonable conclusion about what this program is right now because it's been just a whiplash effect for the last, you know, 18 months here. Um and I I think it's, you know, right now that's coloring people's assessments of the program and I don't think you know, I would have said this a year ago. I don't think it was right to base your judgments on Dennis's competence off one season where they go 25 and 10 and I'll say the same thing. Now, I don't think it's right to base your judgment off of his competence or his long-term ability off of what's, you know, been a horrendous season this year. I think there have been some missteps, but there's been a lot of stuff that's just simply been out of their control and how they've managed that. I have questions with and questions about, I should say, but I I don't know how much at this point, you know, we can really say is, you know, malpractice versus just awful, awful luck. Untangling that's really, really hard. Um, And I think it's going to be hard for the next month.
0: So uh, last week was supposed to be uh, the easiest week of the SEC conference schedule. Um, Arkansas and Vanderbilt, uh, when it comes to the SEC standings, are at the bottom. Uh, Not the very bottom, because that's where Missouri is uh, currently occupied. Um, Arkansas, for like... 20 to 25 minutes looked like, I think the team that a lot of people expected Arkansas to be. Uh, and then for, you know, the next 15 minutes proceeded to show you what they're actually, uh, (laughs) what they actually are at this point, which, uh, you know, they're, they're a mess, but they're still very talented. Um, you know, they've got a lot of, you know, good athletes. They're capable of defending really well. Um, you know, and and you've seen this in flashes all season long with them, uh. You know, but it was it was sort of like fitting to you know that they, I guess, found their stride in Missouri Arena, um, but you know, not long enough to really just make it a full on blowout the entire game, and they let Missouri kind of creep back and make the final score respectable. Yeah, yeah,
1: I, that was. I think the Arkansas game to me is sort of a, a good. Example of what happens to this team where, you know, I I look over the sub pattern after every game and, you know, there's a pretty common theme that happens, you know, in Missouri games, you know, since Tanchi's been declared out is Missouri does a good job playing well early like you did against Vanderbilt or at the very least like treading water, you know, for the first six to eight minutes of the game. And then Missouri starts to go deep into the bench. And, you know, you start to see what I would say are um, offensive suppressant lineups. You just put two or three guys on the floor that don't generate good offense for you. And this is a team that struggles to do that. So even if they're defending well, reasonably well, they don't have enough offense to really you know, get through this team as a whole doesn't rebound well enough so what you wind up with or maybe they do a good job on first shot defense but they give up an offensive rebound this team fouls a lot they do a good job for 25 seconds in a possession and then someone commits a foul that either resets the shot clock or puts a guy on the line this team comes down they're running offense but really only tamar bates and maybe sean east are capable creators And teams have figured that out now. Now they're just shrinking the floor, and it's hard for other guys to make plays. So you wind up with, you know, Kurt Lewis shooting a three. You wind up with Ant trying to drive for a pull-up. You wind up with Noah taking a guarded hook shot. The offense isn't there. And, you know, that's what happened against Arkansas. They put two lineups out there that are not good offensively. For about four minutes, Arkansas opened the lead up to 13 points. Missouri got its starters back on the floor. It started whittling away, started whittling away. And then they put an offensive suppressant lineup back on the floor the last, you know, at the 3.53 mark, and Arkansas rips off an 8-0 run. And now it's a 17-point lead at the 17-point deficit at the break, and this team just can't come back. They're just not built that way. And then you add on to that. Arkansas was good at forcing turnovers. Missouri coughed the ball up a lot and just got bled out. So Missouri's offense miraculously shot the ball pretty well, but then it was coughing it up and not able to keep Arkansas off the glass. So it just gets into this pattern where there's just enough offense, just enough kind of continuity to keep things respectable. And then I think my my critique of the staff is, They get too deep into the bench. They are not acknowledging the reality that this team cannot go eight or nine deep. You cannot put some of these combinations together without incurring just a massive deficit offensively for a team that's struggling. Now, I understand you got to rest guys, and you have to give guys breaks, and you have to do that, but you basically have to be doing one-for-one swaps now. You can't be doing two, three swaps in some cases because you're just going to put your lineup in such a deficit. And even when Arkansas is playing poorly and l- trying to give you a way back in, like Missouri will have a lineup that maybe has like this Nick Honor. They're down by sick they They're down by 16. They're cutting it down. They're cutting it down. And then you get to like Honor, Robinson, Carter, Majak are on the floor with Tamar Bates. Like that's not, you're trimming the lead. You're getting it down close to single digits and that's the lineup you wind up with on the floor. You're, you're not going to come back from that. So I think that that's, you know, we, we talked about these games, but there's a recurring theme that was happening, you know, where Missouri would play well for 30 minutes and then they kind of fall apart. Well, now there's been more attrition with, you know, Pierce and Zeus going out of the lineup. It's gotten even more constricted for them. So now I think what you have to do if you're Missouri is you have to say, we can really only go one of like Majak, Robinson, Butler, something that we can't get too deep into the bench or else we're just going to be, you know, too thin offensively. So that that's not really like a concise way to look at the Arkansas game, but I think the Arkansas game shows you what's happening pretty routinely now and sort of what this, you know, what a solution is here if they're willing to take it, but I'll let you weigh in now and, and,
0: in my stumping and in my lobbying here uh yeah i mean i don't really i'm not going to add a whole lot on the arkansas game i figure we could just you know kind of clip each one Um, pretty quickly yeah i mean and they then they go to nashville and uh and really started the way that you would want missouri to start they had you know 20 points uh it was 20 to 9 uh, in the first six and a half minutes, um, they would score nine more points the rest of the first half, um, which left them in a deficit at halftime. And, you know, it, it's kind of more to your, the, you know, the point that you were making, like things were kind of churning and, and running well. And, and then here come the lineups. And, you know, like... Without, These guys
1: are playing hard and they're trying. We want to be very clear that they're doing what they they what they can. They're just not executing consistently or with enough proficiency.
0: Well, yeah, and so I think like you know that is kind of you know the the, the term that you were using was like you know basically offensively challenged, um, offensive su- suppressant lineups. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, and look like. I mean, we've, as a, uh, as a podcast that has, um, you know, that made it through the entire Conzo Martin era um, and, uh, and then, you know, last year's offensive sort of explosion um, we've seen uh, like our fair share of bad offenses. And, you know, like at certain parts of uh, the season, you know, like what guys are capable of doing what things and, and, you know, like at this point, yes, you do need to, you do need to rest guys. Um, you know, I can see that like, uh, you know, Dennis Gates is probably frustrated by the fact that, you know, he's been starting Jordan Butler and Butler went out and did not get a defensive rebound. You know, I wrote about that in study hall, uh, that, um, you know that the the bigs all combined basically uh had one defensive rebound and that was from Connor vanover who played three minutes and you know so like there's also like part of the frustration of the lineups is is I I get that you know you're trying to kind of send a message that you know Butler is a guy who has to has to get rebounds um but mabor was not getting defensive rebounds either <laughs> he played a lot more minutes. Uh, he did get some offensive rebounds, um, you know, and then and then Vanover basically comes in for like thirty seconds and then gets put back on the bench and then comes back in for another couple minutes, you know, when the when the game is mostly over, um, it, you know. And if you're a team that's looking for offense, uh, you know, who is more likely to help you score? Is it Vanover or is it Majac? I mean, I know who the answer is for me, and you know, and I, I realize there's a lot of fans who aren't huge Connor Vanover fans. Uh, we're not
1: debating best-case options; we're debating least <laughs> bad options.
0: And I feel, I feel like Watkins and I even like talked about this like last week. Like, I, I get it. But, you know, we've but we've known, we've known like who Connor Vanover is at this point. Like, he's not. He's not a guy you want out hard hedging, you know, 30 feet from the basket. Like he's not that guy. If you, if you camp him around the basket, he can, he can help you out. Um, and you know, they've done things to kind of keep him there. So, all right. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm getting away, but, but essentially like, you know, the offense goes in the tank and, and the, the only hope becomes, you know, whether Tamar, uh, and Sean can kind of cobble things enough together. And of course, you know, Sean East had a bad night. And You know, he kind of banged his knee early in the game. Yeah. He did come back, um, which was good news. But, you know, he wasn't especially uh, efficient with the ball. Uh, I think Tamar probably had statistically his worst game in a yeah. while. Um, you know, with with the the efficiency metrics, he had three turnovers. Uh, but he was still like seven to thirteen from the floor. Yeah, they're having to <laughs> like. That. That should be enough. That should be enough. Like it's not, None none of this is on tomorrow. It's, it's on, you know, like the fact that he doesn't get any help. Um, Yeah. And and credit to Noah who actually, you know, made a few threes and and had a really nice hot start.
1: I mean, the start was, I think they had six or seven transition possessions in the first couple of minutes and they'd only get like eight or nine the rest of the way. Vandy did a good job. After the first media timeout of like really cleaning up its transition and secondary break defense and getting back and setting, I think they basically bailed out on the glass and, you know, decided. That, Still got know, 43% offensive rebounds. I mean, defensively they bailed to try and get back. <laughs> uh, you know, the offensive rebound. we can get it down a rabbit hole on that. There's a reason why I think it got so bad in the second half. But Vandy gets the secondary break defense cleaned up. They start shrinking the floor. They've done what every team has done now, seemingly since you know start of conference play, which is they know that Sean wants to get baseline every time. He rarely drives the middle gap or the slot gap in those empty side p He starts sinking the defense his way. You know he can't get you know good looks that way because there's three bodies at him. You know they've done a nice job understanding how to sit on Noah's preferred hook shot. You know they're okay. I think willingly, you know, kind of clogging things up in the middle of the floor for Tamar. He ran into a lot of issues, a lot of bodies in the middle gap because I think you know Jerry Stackhouse has not done a good job, you know, with rosters and injury, but he can still scout and can still see, you know, hey, I'm willing to concede jumpers to keep the middle of the floor clogged for Tamar and see what they can do with it. If he's make, if he's killing us in the middle of the floor, he's going to have to work for it. And Tamar, you know, had his stretches I think where he, he was doing that. But, you know, Missouri gets the lead to 20-9, to nine, and then I'm going to read off this. At 937, this is your lineup that is on the floor. Nick Honor, Anthony Robinson, Kurt Lewis, Aiden Shaw, and more Majak. at 937. That lineup plays 46 seconds. We get to presumably the under eight, where we come back with Honor, Robinson, Lewis, Shaw, Butler for 146. At 7.05, we, sub, we take out uh, Nick Honor to presumably let him rest. What they've been doing is they've been, you know, breaking up Nick and Sean a little bit more. So you get East, Robinson, Bates, Shaw, Carter. I mean, you are – there's basically three or four minutes in there where you are taking <laughs> – you are taking a pillow and putting it on the face of your offense – and, like, Mabor was not bad defense. Like, I've re rewatched the game. Like, some of these guys were not bad defensively, but you got to the offensive end. And you can tell Vandy's, like, there's two guys we got to worry about. Just clog up the middle of the floor. Make it hard for them to get to their spots. And Missouri's going to take a three. They're going to miss. We're going to clear. We're going to come down. We're going to run our stuff. Now, I know you have to use Kurt Lewis to rest Tamar Bates. Tamar Bates is still playing 30 plus minutes. I know you have to play Kurt. I know you have to play Ant Robinson because you got to get him minutes and get him ready for next year. And I know you still need to keep Aiden Shaw engaged. Do all of them need to be on the floor simultaneously together <laughs> though? You're chuckling, but uh, like, I think that that's like a thing, like that's managing the sub pattern. So where I think what you can do is go, I've got to keep all these guys, you know, give them their opportunities. and I've got to balance these things, but. Why altogether? Like what's what's the theory of the case here? Because if the thought process is like, okay, we need shooting to keep space open, I think Kurt Lewis is now like six of thirty on the year. Ant is struggling as a catch and shoot guy. So okay, if our thought process is we need space to keep lanes open, that's fine. But six okay, you don't have yeah, six twenty nine, ant's not much better. Aiden doesn't shoot at all, and neither does Mabor. So people are going to say, like, Nick needs to stop driving into the trees. Well, if that's your lineup with those guys on the floor, Nick is your best offensive threat. And because the floor is shrunk, because nobody worries about those guys shooting, guess what he's going to have to do? Apply rim pressure into trees. Like, again, I realize Dennis is paid more than me he knows far more about this game than I do but like there are lineups that I think where he's putting handcuffs on himself by trying to like play guys together trying to I think in some ways be like we're deep we can throw all these guys together and man there's enough possessions in lineup data to tell you these aren't working and you really need to be careful especially when you get a start like this on the road your team's playing with confidence they're playing fast they're being aggressive they're getting their heads up they're getting down the floor you come out of a timeout vandy's starting to reset and then that's the lineup you put out just ram you know whatever large piece of you know whatever large tool you want in the gears because that's what you're doing and they've been doing that for three or four games now and like all the schematic acumen and being good on the whiteboard is, is great. I, you know, I I think we can acknowledge that, but the coach's top job is what to dictate what guys are on the floor. Like that, that's their number one job. Who's out here. (laughs) That's that is a, a key responsibility. So like if you want to launch a defense for his philosophy and for his scheme, I get why people would say, well, look at who he puts out there in the middle of the half with this team, you know, needing to, that's offensively starved at times to just say, you know what, we're going to do, we're just going to serve lima beans to you for four minutes on offense. It just doesn't work. And, you know, I I think they've got to, you sort of talked about this in your piece and pour over, which I agree with is there's the team you want to be and the concept you have of yourself. And then there's a certain point of what you are. And I'm not sure if this, you know, program right now quite acknowledges the reality of what they are right now. It's great to have this concept and this identity you've tried to forge, but the bodies aren't there to make that happen. You've got to live in reality. And right now, I just don't know in some cases, and especially in the middle of each half, that they're doing that. I think they're just making life a little bit harder for themselves when it doesn't have to be. Doesn't mean they're yeah. going to win games. Doesn't mean it's going to turn the tide. But man, they could just by making some sub some changes to the sub pattern. I think they can make life just a little bit more tolerable. I'm not going to say they're going to win games or they're going to turn it, but they could help just enough to maybe get their guys there.
0: Well, yeah. So uh, they do have a couple home games um, coming up. Uh, They play Wednesday at 8 p.m. against Texas A&M. We've already seen A&M n uh, m is a uh not a uh, great offensive team um uh, but they certainly make your life hell on defense I think they're capable of being a good offensive team um it's just they they do not shoot the ball very well uh and then Mississippi state who has been a little bit of a disappointment so far this year um you know I, I think a lot of people like automatically huh
1: I wouldn't, I, they're about what I thought they'd be.
0: I'll say that. Well, I should probably clarify for uh, us or for, I mean, for, they're three and six in the league. And I mean, they, they haven't like, they haven't really taken any bad losses, but I, you know, I feel like they were the first team to kind of kick started South Carolina <laughs> and their run, uh, you know, they, they did lose to, uh, uh, to to Ole Miss, um, they're three and six in the league, and I mean things things get a little easier for them in the next three games, uh, so they can get back to five hundred. They've got uh, Georgia at home. You know, Georgia's been you know playing everybody pretty tough, and then you get Missouri on the road, and then Arkansas at home. Um, you know, so they, they they certainly could kind of turn things around. I think for me, like where I I've, I've always thought they were going to be. Um, elite defensively, I don't think they've been as elite defensively. Uh, the offense uh, has been a little better, um, you know, but they also just got absolutely housed uh, by Alabama the last yeah. time out. Um, yeah, you know, and and I mean, I don't want to get this into like a Mississippi State preview because I, you know, they're still having a better season than Missouri is. Um, you know, but I think when you're kind of looking at this week, uh, you know, with two kind of offensively challenged teams kind of coming in, you know, is this the week that you can kind of sneak a, a win? You know? I mean, you hope. You hope,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like we're going to, if you watch the first A&M game, it's going to be kind of a redux for the next 80 minutes. Mizzou tries to zone. Dares teams to make jumpers. That's going to come with some trade-offs on the glass. Both these teams they're playing are exceptionally good at pounding you on the offensive glass, but feels like Missouri's going to dare them to beat that and try and see if they can't keep it tight on the glass
0: when they get maybe, rebounds. Maybe they're at- if they're not going to worry about you know what kind of offensive lineup they are going to put out, you just play Vanover, Majak, and Jordan Butler all together and just try to make. Uh, you know, the rim a little bit hellish.
1: Maybe, maybe. I don't know at this point. What lineup haven't they tried? I think they're we're approaching <laughs> 290 of them at this point. Um, but they're going to do what they did. I think a little bit against Vandy. They're going to try and get the, you know, get the ball out quick, push, see if they can't flatten out these defenses before they get set and see if they can't pick some things off. Um, Mississippi State's a little turnover prone. Uh You know, maybe they can, you know, force Hubbard and more into some turnovers and you can get some point easy points that way. You hope the jump shooting is passable enough. I don't know if like you need 40%, but you hope for 35 or 36%. You hope you can cherry pick a little bit on secondary breaks and maybe the zone screws with these teams enough that you can, you know, get to a situation where, again, these Missouri's not playing a fast tempo right now to where you're in a game late and you can finally find a way to close it. Um, I don't know if Mississippi State's – they're doing – I looked today. I think I had them at 4-5 and five right now because I think I had them, you know, picking off one of – I think I had them maybe beating Mississippi or – Probably picking South off Carolina. Off, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, it was South Carolina. I had them picking off South Carolina. But they're doing about what I thought. I think I had them at 8-10 and 10 overall at least when I went through in the preseason, they're tracking towards what I thought they'd be. Um, like Josh Hubbard's been really, really good for them. Like I, I think, you know, if he were playing on a contender, he'd probably be right in there for what freshman of the year in the league. Um, For them, he's been really, really good and efficient too. He's not just high volume. He's been really efficient at that high volume too. Tolu's come back and, you know, Ben Tolu. Like I don't know if Tolu's better or worse. I mean, the numbers say he's – about the same um Shaquille Moore is probably the closest thing they had to a floor spacer DJ Jeffries is a black hole on offense for them uh Cam Matthews does not do a lot of things but he can cut he can get on the glass and he'll run the floor in transition and maybe the bench will gin something up for him but you know it's I think something like 60% of their possessions in conference play are going to Hubbard or Tolu. Like, you know what they're going to do. You know what Mississippi State's modus operandi is going to be. It's going to be Hubbard and some ball screens, punch it into Tolu, smother you to death on defense, hope that it's enough to just, like, win a rock fight. Missouri's got to find a way to take one of Tolu or away, I'd say, zone, and just see if you can't make life Hellish for Tolu inside, and if Josh Hubbard goes nuclear, so what? I mean, at least you're keeping the gaps close, so he can't punish you off the dribble, and then you try and play on the break. Maybe they get a win. Maybe the home court advantage prevails for them. But if I sound do you, dour, it's because I, I don't expect this to be an inter- a, a very.
0: It's uh, not going to be a fun week. It's aesthetically, not aesthetically, pleasing. regardless of yeah, whatever happens, wins and losses, um, you know. This is a, this is a brutal twosome. Um, I don't know why so that,
1: you would give the A&M is, Vandy A and M and Mississippi State in succession. That's
0: cruel. A and M is currently forty eighth in in Ken Palm. I think they're still kind of projected by a lot of people to be in the NCAA tournament. That has a projected loss uh, per Ken Palm of a four points seventy two to sixty eight. Thirty uh, percent chance to win. Matt uh, Mississippi State is forty second. Uh, so I guess, yeah, we could say Texas m has been the more disappointing team. Uh, that has projected loss of five points, 73 to 68, uh, and a 33% chance to win. Um, y- you know these teams as well as, as any, uh, I would say, as anyone who's not a, a, a current fan of either of those teams. Which do you think of those two games is a more likely dub? Ooh, state. Yeah.
1: So, I think AM has not been great at times offensively, but they've got Taylor. Boots Radford can be a nice secondary score for them on the perimeter. Henry Coleman's, you know, a really, really nice mobile big for them. Anderson Garcia has been doing some nice stuff off the ball and they guard. I think they've just got – you know they aren't a team that's having to pump 60% of their possessions through two dudes. I think they've got enough stuff and enough, you know, diversity in terms of offensive sources that they can make you know Missouri you know pay for even zoning them up a little bit. And we saw Boots, you know, do some stuff in transition when he gets out. Like I, there's enough on the A&M roster that I think to to get them over. I think if you took away one of the two guys for state it gets really hard for them
0: so so in their last uh six games texas a&m uh overtime win against kentucky a one point loss at arkansas a four but they were point down big rally. lsu a uh six point win over missouri a three point loss uh to ole miss and a one point loss uh to florida or, or sorry one point win over florida so you know af- after kind of you know not looking great against LSU in the uh, in the first game of conference play and and then you know going to Auburn is always a a, a tough thing. They're 14 you know they're playing everybody tough yeah. um, and and the thing about like Texas A m being a little bit offensively challenged um, is they don't really like break away from anybody. I also think like the the, the league is is fairly balanced uh, through the middle and and the top. Um, and so if this is a close game, like, do you trust Missouri to score the ball? No. Against Texas A&M's defense, you know, down the stretch. And I think like, that's, that's why I agree with you that of the two, I would, I would think Mississippi state is more likely, um, because I think you can disrupt them more offensively and they're they're not uh yeah, they're they're not as good um on that end of the floor. Yeah, yeah. if you were to if you were to look at like a common
1: opponent here, A and M beat Kentucky. Uh state lost them by thirteen granite, one was on the road, uh state was at state was at Kentucky. But like, you know, I've lost twice to Alabama, lost Florida. Like, I think if you were to look at teams that are quality teams in this league, A&M's played better against those teams. They've got a little bit more source of offense. I I think if you got things late against Mississippi State, you could find a way to close it. The question is, can...
0: Yeah, I mean, if Texas A&M had just like defended uh, against Arkansas in that last possession... Um, yeah, they're, they're five and three and probably, uh, although they, they have Tennessee on, on, uh, on, right. But I mean, I, from having watched both
1: teams and like, even looking at the results and knowing, you know, even looking at the metrics, I, it's wrong to sort of like, I think, speak with any confidence about Missouri getting a win at this point until they get a win. But, you know, state would be the one I would take for them
0: at this week. Um. Look at this next like, series of games for Texas AM. This is actually pretty funny. Wednesday, Missouri, 125th in Kempom. Saturday, Tennessee, 6th in Kempom. The following Tuesday, Vanderbilt, 186th in Kempom. Uh, The following Saturday, Alabama, 7th in Kempom. The next Tuesday, Arkansas, 116th in Kempom. And then the following Saturday, Tennessee again, 6 and Kempom. So 125, 6, 186, 7, 116, 6. I'm seeing 7 and 7 here, <laughs> <what> I'm seeing. <laughs> that, uh, that's That's some scheduling.
1: I thought um, the back end of their schedule was going to be kind of where it came down for them because they were going to get South Carolina at home. They were going to get Georgia on the road. They get miss. Then they get the Mississippi schools. Like, I thought that was going to be sort of the make or break sort of last two weeks for A&M you know, in the conference, it looks like it's still going to be that way for them. Maybe not for a conference title, but maybe like if they can, you know, find a way to handle, you know, their business. Tennessee has, you know, looked vulnerable at times. If you picked off, they go four and two over the next three weeks and they're eight and six, you know, with four games to go against nobody ranked higher than 40th in Kimpom. There's a chance for them to make a push to get into the top four, I think. If A&M can, you know, Find a way to steal a win and handle its business everywhere else. I think they can position themselves for a strong close. Um, As for Missouri, again, weird. As for Missouri, uh, man, I'll reiterate what I said earlier manage it so that you can still get quality minutes for your young guys. I mean, that's really where we are is, you know, can you keep, you know, spirits at a place that are healthy? Can you find a way to get them productive minutes, you know, that really, I think, give you a good gauge as to where they are. And hopefully, you know, if you're in Missouri, you can steal a win, you know, at home against like a Mississippi state, you know, maybe you go to Arkansas and you feel like you can get a win there. I mean, if Arkansas, I mean, I don't know where that team's going to be psychologically at that point. You do get, you know, I think the best other opportunities outside of that are maybe a home game against Ole Miss and maybe a trip to LSU. If you're Missouri, if you can just get one, you know, I think and rip the band-aid off and get, you know, the bad vibes away from there. Can you find a way to to pick up two or three more down the stretch? You know, you're you're headed to Wednesday and Nashville. There's nothing else to play for other than pride at this point. But right now I think that this team just needs to see a result. There's nothing more that really needs to be said on about them at this point.
0: Uh, <clears throat> and we've still got like you know another month and a half of of this. Uh, time to start scouting portal pickups. Yeah, yeah, we are we are already doing that. Um, uh that's that's gonna be it for us. Yeah. Um, yeah there's there's two more uh two more basketball games this week hopefully Missouri can get one of them. Uh, I just like, at this point, I'm just ready to like, to see a different result. You know, it would, it would be really, really nice. Um, I'm also like, uh, toying with the idea of going to see my friend, um, my friend Mark in in Florida, uh, like getting out of town for just so I could like, and make sure that like, like at least one of those games is like when we're traveling. So I'll will like be on a beach when Missouri is playing basketball. I'll just be like, I don't I don't I You don't know, wanna.
1: just lay over in Gainesville on Wednesday, <laughs> February twenty eighth and take Mark to the O
0: Dome and No, no, we're not going to see college basketball. <laughs> um Okay, so we're gonna get out of here. Uh I've got the uh, link up on the page now, five seven three teas.com slash collection slash rock m if you want any like any football t-shirts. Uh we've got some stuff kind of cooking for uh off season content. Um uh I I'm anticipating some kind of like fun announcements uh you know coming your way, probably like early March, um, for for new and interesting ways to kind of get your uh your your Rock M radio fix um featuring Matthew J. Harris, everybody. Uh <laughs> uh no, but we'll be back next week. Maybe it's with Watkins and, and myself, but we're we're gonna keep talking about this team no matter no matter what happens. Uh and then with with eyes focused uh on on what's in the future and in in March and April uh when we are blessed with the transfer portal and the hope the glimmer of hope of, uh, of fixing things in one off season. Um, but for now, uh, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, if you are uh, not subscribed, please subscribe to this and uh, and the, you'll get the rest of the, uh, you know, the fun and Radio content beamed directly into your mobile device. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more, just like it, beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Beep. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone, or the Google Podcast app for Android, or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock and Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks.